But we're in a series now uh, that we're going to conclude today called The Gift. The Gift. And, and Christmas being a gift, I heard a story this week of this man and woman. They were in a mall, and, and they stopped by there to do some quick shopping, and then uh, they were going to have to be at this one appointment. And so the time's up, and the wife's trying to find the husband, can't find him. And, and so she's texting him, calling him, and, and finally gets him on the phone, and she's like, where are you? We've got to hurry up and go. We're late. And so to confide things, he goes, well, baby, he said, you remember like 20-something years ago this jewelry store here? that you and I visited and there was this, this, this bracelet that you just loved and you wanted it and we couldn't afford it back then. You remember that? And she gets all emotional. She's like, yeah, yeah, I really remember. I, yeah, I know exactly where you are. And remember, that's the one that we couldn't afford back then because it was so long ago. And she goes, yeah, and she's getting all teary-eyed. And he goes, well, I'm at the gun shop right next to it. And, uh, okay, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's just uh, <laughs> if you're the man getting the gun, okay? Wives are not happy right now. But anyway, it was pretty good. Some of you didn't get it or you would have laughed. All right. It'll hit you in the middle of the sermon, and I'll think you're laughing at something I said then, and it won't be. But anyway, we're concluding this series called The Gift. The gift, and we talked to you about number one was the gift of the second chance. God's a God of a second chance. How many thankful for that? And then we talked about total freedom, the, the cycle to move into total freedom, not just struggling with the same thing over and over, understanding the attack of the enemy. He has a system that he's continued to use through the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life. And then last week we talked about our inheritance, that just like Satan has a system of bondage, God has a system of freedom and inheritance of blessing in our life. And today I want to talk to you about the greatest gift of all. Get your notes out. Let's get ready to roll. And we're going to go really quick today. And I'm going to go back to the Christmas story, the one that we start with really talking about December being the, the month of Christ's birth. We're going to conclude with that. Let's go to the text with me now as we go there. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I mean, how many women would that freak out if an angel just showed up and started talking to you like that? But the angel said to her, Don't, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He shall be great. I want you to underline that in your notes because we're going to come back to that statement. He shall be great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. I want to talk to you today on what makes Jesus so great. What, what is this gift that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ? And, and we're at the end of 2015. We're about to move into 2016. And I'm going to bring a very, very basic message to you today. This is something we could teach back in the kids' zone, and they would all get it. But I want to come and just bring you a reminder today of who God really is in mind in your life, that sometimes we, we get caught up in society, we start listening to a secular media, we start listening to the wrong voices, and, and this, this person, God, in mind in your life, starts getting watered down and belittled, and, and we start losing sight 
of how awesome this God that we worship about today and we preach about and we pray to every day really is in our lives. And so I want to just bring a, a quick reminder because when the angel spoke to Mary and said, you're going to conceive a son, you're going to bring him forth and his name shall be called Jesus and he shall be great. The word shall there means future that is coming. It was a prophetic statement made to Mary that day, but I want to declare to you today it's no longer a prophetic statement. It's present tense. He is great. And how many is a witness in here today that Jesus is great? And he's great in mind in your life. And I want to just take that word great. I'm going to play with it today. And we're going to take the letter through that, each letter, and, and show you what makes him so great. Number one, the letter G, he's great because he's God. And John, it said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, there was nothing but God. He's ever existed. But then Genesis 1, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word God there in the Hebrew is Elohim. And every time there's an I am in the Hebrew, it means plural. So in the beginning, the gods or the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created heaven and earth and then all the creation after. And so before then, there was nothing but God. He existed before time. But everything, what I want you to see is everything that has come after him is his creation. He has the authority over it. He's the one who created it, man or things. But you notice something? When he sent his son Jesus to, because mankind left him, disobeyed him, and were in sin, and restore us back to him, we're going to talk about that. He had to send his son Jesus, the greatest gift of all. But have you noticed today that this one person, Jesus, has become the controversy of an entire nation today and a world that everybody wants to deny, not everybody, but there's a large group out there that wants to deny his existence. They want to remove him and his name from everything and the people that follow him. But isn't it amazing that they're fighting so hard to remove a God that they claim doesn't exist? Because they know he exists because within every part of God's creation, there's a cry for him. And I want to talk to you today about what makes him so great about being God. Do you know in heaven he had no mother? On earth he had no father. He's older than his mother and just as old as his father. Nobody can claim that but God. You're trying to figure that one out. Let me say it again. In heaven he has no mother. On earth he had no father. He's older than his mother and he's just as old as his father because he was there from the beginning of time. No one can claim that but God. Do you know that it took man 50 chapters to explain to us in the Bible how he built a tabernacle? It took God five words to put the sun, moon, and stars in space. Do you know that one day when he made that creation and the earth was nothing but a watery element and God wanted to create an atmosphere, and day two he's creating the atmosphere, the, the zone to protect the man that he's going to create from the rays of the sun, and so he, had, he told water, to leave water, and so water left water and is hanging above us today called the atmosphere. Do you know that water 773 times the weight of air? But did you also know that there's 64 trillion, 560 billion tons of water hanging above us today at nothing but the voice of God? It's 773 times the weight, the air that is sitting up there today, and it's up there today at nothing but the voice of God because one day he said water, leave water. He's great. Because he's God. We see one of the most controversial texts in the Bible in Philippians chapter 2 
where God the Father, he, he brought Jesus down on seven steps. Jesus had to go downward, but then he takes him seven steps upward and exalts him. And we see his humanity and his Godhead in one passage of Scripture. We see it in the Scripture. Read it with me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he's equal to God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with him, but made himself of no reputation. He was willing to lower himself, taking the form of a bond servant, which means by choice, and coming in the likeness of a man, he became like us. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Seven steps down where Jesus had to go first, but then, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, in the incarnation, he became man, but he never stopped being God. When he was born into Mary, he's come alive now. He's flesh like us. Though he was flesh, he never stopped being perfect God. Let, let me give you an example. As a man, he went to a wedding. Remember that? He went to a wedding, but as God, he turned water into wine. He was man, but he never stopped being God. As a man, he took a little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fishes. And as a man, he held it in his hand. But as God, he blessed it and began to break it. And he fed 5,000 men plus women and children, an estimate of 12,000 people. He did it because he was man, but he never stopped being God. As a man, he fell asleep in the back of Peter's boat from sheer exhaustion. But as God, he stood up in the midst of that storm and spoke to the waves and told them to be still. And calmness overtook the sea. He was man, but he never stopped being God. As a man, he stood by the grave of a relative named Lazarus, and he wept. But as God, he spoke to death and turned it in reverse, and Lazarus come forth. As a man, we see him that he prayed, but as God, we watch him answer our prayers. As a man, he died and was placed in a tomb, but as God, he resurrected and secured eternal life for every person that would put their faith and trust in him. As a man, we saw him as sin, but as God, we see him coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're gonna get to come back with him one day on a white horse. I'm telling you today, he's great. He became man, but he never stopped being God. And he's God today in mind in your life. No matter where you see him, no matter how you saw him, he was great. We saw him around the children when the crowd and the leader said, don't, don't get the children, get the children away from him, get the children away from him. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, no, 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 you don't do that. You let the children come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. Around the outcast, around the nobodies, around the sick, around the broken, around the poor, he was great. He was a friend of the sinners. While the religious crowd didn't know what to do with him, the sinners flocked him because he was a man of grace and a man of power. He's God because he's great. And he's great because he's God. The power that comes in his word. When Kathy and I were in the South Bronx, we, we, I was 21 and she was 20. We just got married, moved from Central Florida. Uh, three weeks later to the South Bronx, started our ministry and our marriage there. And, and I was pastor of evangelism at a great church up there, Love Gospel Assembly. And, and one of my, my jobs as pastor of evangelism was the outreach. And we had 18 ministries going on every week. And, and one of our young ladies 
uh, her brother was murdered, horrific, horrific murder. I mean, uh, 21 times shot, point blank, and it was a bad drug deal going south. And, and so we're in court. I'm in court every day. And then we find out that there's mafia involved and all this kind of stuff. And, and they started coming around pointing fingers in my back and my buddy's back going, pow, pow, you're next. And then they started putting death threats against me. And so they, were, they would literally, the plainclothes officers would come at my church and pick me up and take me all around the city a different way to take me home so that they couldn't find out where my wife lived so they couldn't mess with her to get to me. It was crazy, man. It was three months of that. I mean, they don't teach you that in Bible college. You know what I'm saying? It's just not teachable. That's called experience that I don't ever want to go through again, all right? But we're, we're in this courtroom, but the prosecutor was the most evil, wicked guy, one of the worst I've ever been. The guy cussed like crazy and just so rude, and, and, and we're in his office every day. And so I'm in there, and there was this detective, and he's always in a green blazer, and he was a big guy, man. I mean, just big muscle, just big, mean looking. And he was like this the whole time. Never said a word. Three months. Never said a word. Just stood there like a refrigerator, you know, just and nothing. And, and so one day they got talking in there and they started blasting religion and they're saying, you know, cre these people think God created us and, you know, that they believed in evolution and not creation and they didn't know it, but I was a professor at that moment. I was a professor at the uh, Logos Bible College and Graduate School teaching the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, and I was teaching creation at that time. And so they had a blackboard and I had three hours. <laughs> Boom. I gave them a three-hour Bible lesson on creation. And, and nobody budged, but I had fun. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but here's what happened. Three months later, I'm parking my car behind my church, and this plainclothes police car pulls up, and this guy gets out in a green blazer, detective, reaches in his blazer and pulls out a little New Testament and said, Rev, I just wanted to come by and tell you that God that you were talking about in that, that office all those times, he said, I didn't have anything to say, but I was listening. He said, I just wanted to drop by and tell you I met him. He's my Lord today. I met him. I want to tell you, man, we serve a God. And I want you to go into 2016 knowing that I don't care what the media says, doesn't matter what man says, you and I on the greatest team ever existed in mankind is called the kingdom of God and the God that you serve. Get ready for the greatest year of your life and don't let anything take that hope away that whatever God has promised you, God still plans on bringing it to pass in your life and he has full power and ability to do so. Our young people, man, go for your dream, guys. Go, go for your dreams. We got athletes popping up in this church that I believe we're going to watch on ESPN one day. And they're going to have a testimony. I'm serious. We got some star athletes coming up in this church right now. And they're stars in their school. But more than that, they're stars in the kingdom. And they're bringing a strong message. Four families were here last Sunday visiting because their teenagers have joined our 517 ministry and they're going home talking about Jesus so much. Four new families were here last Sunday going, I just had to come check out where my kids coming to church, man, because all they're talking about is this. Telling you, it's working. The gospel, the God that we talk about and we serve. Number two, he's great because he's our redeemer. He's our redeemer, and the word there, redeem, means to prior ownership, that he came to buy back what was originally his in the first place, but it got stolen and broken and lost and dysfunctional. And how many remembers when that was you? 
and you were out there, man, messed up and, and, and trouble and bad decisions and going down a wrong road and offended and hurt and abused and mistreated and, and you felt worthless and, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he doesn't go and just look for those that had it all together. He went and bought back what was originally his that was dysfunctional and chipped and broken and wasn't working right, but he didn't see your past. He saw your future. He saw where you could go if you would just put your trust in him. And he came back and he purchased us back. And to give you an example of this, years ago, I was in my early 20s, 21, about 21 years old. And in my early 20s, I was preaching around the country in the southeast, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and traveling and preaching. And, and one of my buddies in Louisiana, he knew my heart. For, uh, to speak, I always spoke out against injustice. I always uh, wanted to pastor a multicultural church as I got older and pastored. And, and then I caught a lot of flack for that then. And he knew that. And I was preaching in Louisiana and he said, come on, get in the car. I want to take you somewhere and show you something. And, and so we got in the car and he took me down to a place where it was, used to be a slave auction. I mean, trees had grown over it and vines were over it, but it was a literal auction block where they used to sell slaves and, as animals. And, and I stood there, and he said, I'm going to give you some time. And he just went in his car and drove away, and I stood there alone for hours. And, and all of a sudden, man, it was like I went into a movie is what it really felt like, if I could put it into terms. And, and I literally felt like I was there. Though there wasn't a real auction going on, the spirit was still there. The, the, the evil, that, that wicked spirit was still there, man. And, and it was almost like I heard this auction going on over a human being. And, and, and you could hear the auctioneer bidding and people bidding and, and the auctioneer talking. It was like I was in this whole arena of something going on. And, and all of a sudden, it became personal to me as I stood there right at this auction block where so many lives were, were changed drastically in a negative way and, and I heard that bid going and I literally in my mind and spirit could hear this voice making a bid and it was for me and I could hear this bid going and going and then all of a sudden I heard another bid being made and, and, and I hear that auctioneer go, but sir, you, you, you just told us earlier that foxes have a hole to lay their head and the birds have a nest to lay their head but you don't even have a place to lay your head. What would you have to give for him? And I hear Jesus speak up and say, I give my life. I give my life. And I hear an auctioneer slam a gavel and say, Dan Livingston is sold to Jesus Christ because he came to buy back what was originally his that had been stolen away from him and broken and made dysfunctional. And can I tell you, wherever some of you have come from, you've had much stolen from you. Your identity, your reason, your purpose, your dreams, your passions. You've made mistakes. You've made bad decisions. We all have. Join the crowd. And what the enemy wants to do is keep you living back there. But Jesus has come to redeem you back into his original purpose and plan for your life. Remember in our growth track, we teach you. Number one is God wants you to just know God. Number two, he wants you to find freedom. And that's what redemption is. Redemption allows me to find the freedom that God wants to bring into my life. And here's the thing about redemption here. It's not to take you back to where you were before you messed up or where you got hurt or wounded. The word redemption there is God wants to redeem you back to his original purpose and plan for your life before you were ever created in the womb of your mother. Before you were ever created, God wants to take you back to that original plan. And can I tell you in 2016, stop settling for the bronze when you can have the gold. Stop settling for second best when you can have the best. Stop listening to negative voices and start listening to the voice of God. 
Stop listening and running with a crowd that's losing and find some folks that's winning and go win with them. And know that God's got the very best for you because when he redeems us, he doesn't redeem us back to where we were. He redeems us back to his purpose in us. Let's make 216 our year, man. Let's forget those things which are behind. Anybody besides me got some stuff back there you just like to let go of? Some junk in the trunk, as they say. And it ain't fat. It's stuff. You with me? And some of you need to let go of some junk in the trunk. Let go of some hurts. Let go of some wounds. Let go of some... Let everybody look at me for one second. I didn't say this in any other service. For some reason, I need to say it here. You will never go anywhere in life without the risk of being hurt again. You will never go forward in life without the risk of being disappointed again. Because life involves people. And people, including us, let other people down. And you will never find your purpose in life without the risk of being hurt and disappointed again. Better to take the risk and find your purpose than not take the risk and never even attempt to get there. That was worth coming to church for right there. I'm just, and we haven't took an offering yet. But I want to challenge you today, let the redemptive power of Jesus be real in your life today. It's a gift, so receive it. Number three, and I'm going to go quick. Number three, he's Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Look in Matthew chapter 1 in the Scripture. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what she What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel there means God with us. God is great in mind in your life today because in the good times or the bad times, on the mountains or in the valley, while rejoicing or in a time of tears and weeping and sorrow, in the time of plenty or in a time of poverty and health or in sickness, he is Emmanuel, God with us. How many's glad he's the God of the mountain but also the God of the valley? And by the way, it takes two mountaintops to make one valley. You say, well, it takes two valleys to make one mountaintop. It just depends on which eyes you want to look through. I choose to take two mountains for every valley. It's kind of pick the one you want to go through. And you got to come and realize today that God is Emmanuel, God with us. He put it like this. If you make your bed in hell, you're going to wake up and still find me there. You can't get rid of me. How many glad you serve a God today that no matter what's going on in your world, he's there. No matter where you are, lowest point in life or the highest peak of celebration, God has been there. How many of the witness today can verify that? They go, when I couldn't find him, he was still there. When I couldn't feel him, when it was all said and done, he was still there. When I could not touch him, he was touching me anyway. 
a quick story. We were just down in Miami with my grandson. If you come here, you know my little grandson's been diagnosed terminal. He's two years old, and we were down in Miami, and man, we had prayed and prayed and prayed. I'd fasted, and I just knew we were going to get good reports, and, and we didn't get those. You know, we, we didn't get the reports we wanted, and I was discouraged. I'm not going to lie to you, and a little knockdown breath kind of knocked out of me a little bit, you know, and driving home. They flew, and I drove because I had to bring a lot of stuff back, and so I'm leaving Miami, and, and, and I'm in my, and Brad's truck to haul everything back, and I hit my GPS and put the address to come home in, and it put me on a wrong road. I mean the wrong road. I'm talking like an hour and a half of nothing. And, and I'm thinking I'm going the way I came, so there's gas stations everywhere. I'm on an eighth of a tank when I start realizing that I, I've got the, the light on, that I'm getting there, and I hadn't seen a gas station in the last hour. I hadn't seen a building in an hour. And I'm like, I'm talking to Surrey. Surrey, where is the next gas station? And I was so out in the nothing that Surrey couldn't answer me. You know what I mean? You are in nowhere land when Surrey can't talk to you. You know what I mean? And so I'm starting to freak out. I'm already upset because of my grandson's situation. And now I'm about to run out of gas in the middle of nowhere. I hadn't seen five cars in an hour. And I'm like, just free. All of a sudden, I come across this little tiny Poduck town. You know, I mean, out in nowhere. It's so little. There's one little gas station. That's all I needed. Little gas station. There's one little home restaurant over here. And there's a little strip mall with four stores. That is so Poduck. The bathrooms are outside. Does that tell you anything? Okay. And the picnic tables are right outside the bathroom doors where the whole community's hanging out. I'm like, this is weird, you know. And so I'm getting my gas, and, and I, so I go get in line for the restroom because it's the public restroom. Everybody's in line, and, and I'm there, and where are you from? And I'm telling them, you know, my grandson's sick, and, you know, and we're going through this, and we're trusting God. You know, it's discouraging to hear the news. And this guy's there, and he's half drunk. He's got some emotional stuff going on, you could tell. And he starts talking real loud. Hey, bro, bro, no, God's got this, bro. God's got this, man. He, he's got your grandson. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. God's got this. He's got your grandson. And so he comes over and like puts his arm around me. I'm like, dude, don't, you know, just there's limits to everything. You know what I mean? I'm like, you are not going in this bathroom with me, okay? And, uh, and so, you know, and so I, I'm, I'm like, okay. And I go in the restroom, come out. He's standing there waiting. Hey, bro, I'm telling you, man, don't you give up on your grandson. God's got your grandson. And he starts following me to my truck. And even the people are going, leave him alone, man. Give him a break. He's going through some stuff. No, y'all don't get it. He can't give up. Listen, bro, my daughter had a tumor on the outside of her head. And they told me she was going to die. She's married now and got two children. Don't you give up, bro. God's got your grandson right in his hands. He's got, I get in my truck and I'm like, God, are you serious out here in the middle of Podoc? Nowhere. You got a half drunk guy going through some issues telling me not to give up that you got this. I'm telling you, he's Emmanuel that no matter where you are in life, he's right there with you and he's got a word for you. You know what I found out in my 35 years? I'm screaming at y'all, aren't I? I'm sorry. <sighs> Calm down. You know what I found out in my 35 years of ministry? That when you don't see him working on your side, he's in the enemy's camp working stuff up over there for you. If you don't believe that, go study Gideon. Because Gideon was asking God because he didn't have the army to fight the Amites, Moabites that's come against him. And, and God's told him to get his pitcher and his lamp and, you know, get the choir, do all this. And, and, and here we are, and we're like, what's going on here? 
And what God did is he gave a dream in the enemy's camp of a barley loaf rolling down the hill and destroying them. And it got fear in their hearts. And so they're talking about these dreams. And so when all of a sudden God's people stands up and starts praising and screaming and yelling, it brought fear. They thought they were surrounded by millions and they started killing themselves. And all they had was a song and a shout. Why? Because when God's not working in your camp, he's working in the enemy's camp on your behalf. Because he's Emmanuel, God with us. And can I just tell you, going into 2016, I don't know the roads that's going to take all of us down. I don't know the letters you're going to get, the phone calls you're going to receive, good or bad, positive or negative. I don't know what things are going to come into each one of our lives that we're going to walk through and endure or we're going to walk through and rejoice in. I don't know that, but I do know this. God is with us. He's great. Number four, he's great because he's our advocate. Our advocate. First John, my dear children, I write this unto you that you will not sin. He goes, don't sin. Don't do it. Don't go sin. He's not giving us permission to. He's saying don't. But if you do, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father who's the judge, Jesus Christ, his son, the righteous one. And the word advocate there means attorney, one who stands on behalf of someone else and pleads their case. We have a defense attorney that's a member of our church here. Matter of fact, he was just listed as the top 10 attorneys in the state of Florida. And he's awesome. And he's a defense attorney. And I, I go to court sometimes just to watch him because the dude's cool. He's, he's good. And I pray for him. And, and the thing is, is that what he's doing is defending somebody. His job's not are they innocent or guilty. His job's to defend them because they hired him to. And so he's not defending their action. He's defending their person. And you know what he has to do? He has to be willing to take the flack of other people on why are you standing in the place for someone that you know is guilty? Why are you even defending them? And that's what Jesus did for us. He stood for us when we were guilty. He became our attorney, and he represented us to the Father. And here's what he does, and he still does it today because how many besides me still needs an attorney in heaven? Because how many besides me hadn't got it all down yet? Yeah, still got some things that I want to do, thoughts and words kind of want to come out every now and then that I know I don't need to say. The rest of y'all self-righteous folks are lying to yourself. We're all there, aren't we? I just want to slap her today, not her. I just want, you know, come on, flesh. Remember those three attacks of the enemy we preached on three weeks ago? And, and what is it? Jesus runs to the Father and goes, no, 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 Father, don't, don't hold that against them. Don't sin, don't sin. But if you do sin, I've got an advocate for you. Jesus runs to the Father and he stands before him on our behalf and says, look, Father, look, 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 judge, here, here, look at my hands. Those are nail prints. And, and look at my scalp. That's where those thorns were driven into my head. And, and the side right here, that's where that spear was thrust into my side. And you want the back? You want to see the back? That's where they tore me up like an animal on a cross. They're guilty, but I stand on their behalf because I'm their redeemer. And I've paid the ultimate price to redeem them back to a place of freedom. So whatever charge they were facing, you just put it on me. Let them go free. That's my advocate today. How many besides me is thankful you have an advocate like that going into 216? Because I'm not in heaven yet, and I still know I'm going to need him. 
We have an advocate today that pleads our case. Why is that so important? Because one of Satan's number one tools in mind in your life is guilt and condemnation. You put them together and it's a big L called loser. That's exactly what he wants to make you feel like. And so he's going to come with that guilt and that condemnation and make you feel like a loser. But I want you today to know you've got an advocate that goes to the Father. And let me just throw this in before I close today. Here's a little nugget for you. There's the judge, God. There's the advocate, the attorney, Jesus. And here's you and I, the guilty. But our attorney, his father's the judge. In case you had not put one and one together, the odds are on our side. Come on, you got a great future in 2016. Why settle for bronze when you can have the gold? Why settle for mediocrity when you can have it all? Why settle for sickness when you can have healing? Why settle for abuse and, and memories and hurt and pain and all of that? Why, why take that another year when you don't have to? You've taken it too many years already. You've lived it out too many years already. I, I didn't share this. My time's gone, but you know, I, I remember being at that whipping post, at that, at that auction block where they would literally tie the slaves to the whipping post. And, and, and I went and did a whole lot of study after that being there. It was like going to Israel. You study after you've been there. It's just like, wow. And I went and really studied. That's why I love this church. I love the diversity here. I love my multicultural family. Not just in spiritually, but my natural family. I've got Asian, Vietnamese, black why, my family's multicultural, man. But my church is too, and this is the way heaven's going to look like, so the church ought to look like this. But I, I remember standing by that whipping post, and when I studied it out, I learned this, that they would take that man and put him to that whipping post, and they would do it, and he would fight, and he would fight, and he would fight. Day after day, he would fight in front of his family not to be humiliated like that until finally his will was broken, and he would voluntarily walk up put himself to be tied to that post. He had lost his will. It had been taken from him. Can I tell you, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life today is to take away your will to win, to take away your will to accomplish, to take away your will for your dreams, to take away your desire, to take away your dream. He wants to take it away today. But I want to tell you, you have an advocate to the Father that comes back to says, I'm redeemed them. I've purchased them. They're mine. And everything that I promised them in the beginning, before they ever endured all of that stuff that's brought the pain to where they are today, let's bypass all of that abuse, shame. Let's bypass all that failure, and let's go back to where we originally were, and let's start over again. And that's the promise God has for you today. So why settle for the bronze when you can have the gold? That is a good word. Thank you for the one amen over there. Thank you. All right. I'm feeling so loved here today. All right, number five. <laughs> Are you hearing me, though? That's all I care. We're joking about that. I just want you to hear it and then take it home. Number five, we close with this. He's our triumphant one. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul speaks and says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in all things and all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And here's what I want you to get underline it. So that all of these things he's listed, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Romans 14, 11 in the New King James says, It is written, As I live, says the Lord of hosts, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess that I am God. He's the triumphant one. If you study history, you'll know that one day when we were in battle, the American people were in battle with the Japanese, there's a, a, the story and the true story of General MacArthur on a ship Missouri in Tokyo Bay. When we had won the battle and we had many captives, uh, POWs of their army on that ship, and we had captured their commanding officer. And General MacArthur did something that even turned the American people against him, many of them, and they publicly denounced him and said that was cruel and unusual punishment, what he did. But he took all of the POWs and put them on the ship. And then he took the commanding officer and had him dressed in military his attire. And in front of all of his soldiers, General MacArthur went over to him and he began to rip off every sleeve, just rip off all those stripes that represented position and authority. He began to just strip them off of him. He then went to every medal that represented accomplishment, represented wars won, represented anything, and began to rip them off of his jacket. And people said, that's cruel. You, you shouldn't have done that in front of everybody. And he ripped off every button and he left that commanding officer stripped of every symbol or sign of authority or victory. And what he did that day was told every prisoner of war on that ship, he's not in charge any longer. I am. I'm the guy you got to answer to now, not him. And can I tell you, that's not the first time that ever happened. Because the day that Jesus hung on the cross and he died and gave up the ghost, the Bible said hell threw a party. And Satan stood up in front of all of his demonic powers and said, I told you I was gonna kill him. I told you I was gonna take him down. He pointed his finger at the angels in heaven that did not leave with him and said, I told you if you'd have left with me that we was gonna rule and reign the earth. I told you I was gonna win, I was gonna kill him. But in the midst of his party, the song says all of a sudden footsteps were heard walking down the corridors of hell when the shouting stopped, when a voice rang out, a voice that rang like a bell. Satan trembled when he recognized him who came to deliver his own. Shouting, lock the gates, he cried. Don't let him ascend to his throne because Jesus had already proclaimed that no man takes my life, but I lay it down freely so that I have the power to raise it up again. And while hell was throwing his party and Satan was being glorified in front of all the demonic powers, my Bible tells me that Jesus rose from that grave. One of his first stops was the very pit of hell itself. And he walked down the corridor of hell. He took that foot that Satan had bruised and he took that heel and crushed the head of the serpent. He took from him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And what he did was he set their commanding officer in front of every demonic power in hell today. They watched Jesus, the Son, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Advocate, the Emmanuel, the Triumphant One. They watched him take their commanding officer and strip him of every position, of all authority, of all power, of every accomplishment. He was stripped in front of every demonic power. And Jesus said, you no longer serve him. 
I'm in charge. I'm the authority. I'm the triumphant one. He is powerless and has no authority upon my people today. And can I tell you today, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And today I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He's the triumphant one. I close with this. Someone gave me this three Sundays ago when I stuck it in my coat pocket, totally forgot about it. And I'm looking for some glasses this morning and reached into that pocket and there it was and oh, how it fits. God, he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, he always is, and he always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, never undone. I was bruised and he brought healing. I was pierced and he eased pain. I was persecuted and he brought freedom. I was dead and he brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him. Leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. Pharisees couldn't confuse him. People couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age can't replace him. Relativity can't explain him away. He is light, love, longevity, and Lord. His goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and his mind is on me. He is my redeemer, my savior, my God, my peace, my joy, my comfort, my Lord, and the ruler of my life. I serve him because his bond is love. His burden is light. His goal for me is abundant life. I follow him because he is wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, and the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseer of overcomers, and the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. You think that's impressive? Try this for size. His goal is relationship with you and me. He will never leave us, never forsake us, never mislead us, never forget us, never overlook us, and never cancel an appointment in his appointment book with us. And when we fall, he lifts us up. When I fail, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he is the way. When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. When I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he's just going to carry me home. I tell you today, going into 2016, you're on the right side. You're on the right team. Get ready for the greatest year of your life. Let go of everything that's kept you from going there and get ready for the greatest season that God's ever had for you in Jesus' name. Anybody ready to do that with me? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for the simplicity of your word. I thank you, God, today that that we're not preaching about a God who used to be. God, we're talking about a God who is very alive and well today. And God, you're our Father, our Savior today, our attorney, our advocate, our Emmanuel. You're our triumphant one. Oh, God, we're so grateful today for who you are in our lives. And God, I pray that you'll help us, Father, to not look at where we come from, but look at where we're going. Not look at disappointments, but now, God, look at opportunities. 
and see, God, that you've got a great season ahead of us, Lord, and we're going to let go of those things which are behind, and we're going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We're going to press toward those things which lie ahead in Jesus' name. So, God, I pray over every person here today that, God, that you help us, that, Father, we will not any longer continue, Lord, to struggle in that same area, that same zone, not hanging on to those same hurts, disappointments, pains, frustrations, fears. But, God, today we're going to let them go. And we're going to move into your purpose and your plan for our life. And we thank you for it today. But every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're here and you want to join the few that have already prayed today, and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today. I love God, but things are in my life that I know aren't pleasing with him. And I just want to end this year and start the year right and go, I'm going to do it right. I need Jesus in my life today. Pray for me. Pray for me. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand right where you sit and you can put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you up front. I'm just ready. Today's my day, man. I just want God to have it all. I want to give it all to him. Today's his day. It's my day. I'm ready in Jesus' name. Anyone else online, you can join us right there in your living room, right there in your office, wherever you are. You need Jesus today. Today's your day. Pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand or you did not and you need him today. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's give a hand clap for these about six people. Just raise your hand.